Yeah. All this Fendi and Gucci is goofy. LB Council, you tell them to soon. Rolex, AP, ain't y'all follow. Need that, need us. Almighty, black dollar. Okay, um, we're back. Um, definitely want to kind of dive right back into it, man. And um, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but, you know, want to kind of, you know, get your thoughts on it and figure out, um, you know, how we can help to, you know, close the gap. We have to have, continue to have these conversations, have these platforms, because I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I know this. Our community doesn't know where to go to get sound trustworthy advice you know we're we're looking for the information which is great like i said we're having the conversations you know social media is a great platform we're looking for it we're seeking it but we don't know how to decipher through it right. we don't know okay when it comes room. down it's not the shade room it's, you know it's a lot of great podcasts and this is one of the things i was i was I have a lot of times i see social media and i be getting ready to write a long post and i just and i write almost a page <laughs> worth of information and i just stop and i delete it because i'm like they're not gonna get it. it's gonna go over the head and the reason why is because they're having conversations. Everybody's having a conversation relative to them. Well, when I give advice, it's not for one individual unless I'm meeting with you in my office. I'm going to provide information in generalities because what I say can and will be used against me, <laughs> you know, because being a fiduciary advisor, I'm liable for the things that come out of my mouth. And what people don't understand is people that are giving information on social media, um, whether it's TV, books, most of these people are paid entertainers. You know, I have nothing against Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, and all the guys that got, you know, you know, investment podcasts and all these things, but these are not licensed professionals. But we're taking a lot of this information as the gospel and trying to directly apply it to us. Whereas, say, okay, take the information, then go to a professional and see how the information directly applies to you. Yeah. Use what you need to benefit your life and leave everything else, but we don't know how to decipher through what's for us and what's not. And that's why I think we need to see, like I said, more professionals in the industry. And obviously, I'm, I have a you know big gripe with the industry as a whole because the industry has done us a disservice. Because we all know that we've only had the right to vote for 50, 55 years. You know, we just had the anniversary, I think, you know, later on last year, you know. And when I look at that, but of course, United States is, you know, we've been here, you know, 400 years. Well, and, you know, other communities are, you know, generations ahead, but we're trying to take the same financial advice that they're utilizing and now apply it to us when we're just getting started. Yeah. And I think we need to understand this. Okay, well, how do you build a sound financial plan? Like you said, create a plan, consistently doing those things, learn what compound interest is. It's not that we can't do what they're doing, but I think a lot of times we put the cart before the horse. And, and I think we talked about it on the previous podcast. You know, you're talking about the commercial, the, I think the Charles Schwab commercial, mm -hmm. where the young guy who just graduated from college, he started working, and he's having the meeting with his dad. He asks his dad, well, how much is your financial advisor charge you? And he's having that conversation. He's, what, 22, 23 years of age, whereas in our community, I meet people all the time, and I'm pretty sure you all come across people as well that, you know, in 30s, 40s, and never had the conversation. They don't know what a financial advisor does. They don't know what I do as a financial advisor, what you do as an investment analyst, you know, what you do. It's, it's one of those things where I think we have to, you know, continue to grow and elevate ourselves, but individually, our community needs to start seeking professional help. I am a huge proponent on getting professional help because professionals are going to know intimate details about the industry and about opportunities that can help you get to your destination quicker and more efficient. 
Yeah, so definitely, I mean, uh, something I wanted to touch on, and like I said, both of y'all have kind of, you know, touched on it briefly um, about, of course, you know, the direction, of course, you know, Zoe wanted to, you know, major in a certain aspect. You saying, baby, that's not going to get you a Tesla. And, you know, obviously, you know, you're in a situation where you already, you know, teaching kids about compound interest and your own story about, you know, when you were in college and not really understanding how money worked. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like I said, we can do a better job of, you know, actually directing our kids because, like I said, we know better, we can do better. Sure. You know, we've been through the kind of the trial and error and all of us have our own individual stories on, you know, you know, our path through the industry, you know, kind of mm-hmm. weaving our way through. And, you know, like I said, I ended up in the industry on accident. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, you know, wasn't actually by, you know, by choice, um, you know, planned on, you know, being in the NFL, managing my own money and, you know, obviously dream deferred. Um, ended up at an insurance company, lo and behold, after I thought I was going to be teaching and coaching. And, you know, the rest is history. I've been navigating my way through. I know Osric is, you know, kind of had a, a winding path <laughs> as well as far as navigating his way through. And obviously you've probably been a little bit more focused than, you know, the two of us and been on the same path. But, you know, I think that's something that's, you know, extremely key because I think if we can start teaching our kids now, and we can mm-hmm. cultivate them in a way and point them in the right direction, you know, knowing what schools to go to, mm-hmm. you know, what to major in, you know, that can set them up on the path and, and going into industries and jobs that we didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't even know you could be a financial advisor. I had never seen a black financial advisor before. Yeah. I had never met one. I had met a couple black insurance agents before, mm-hmm. but had never met an actual black, you know, investment advisor, didn't know one at all. But financial advisor, just, you know, it didn't exist to me. It was a, right. a foreign language. so. You know, how do y'all feel about, you know, us kind of, you know, some people say, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I want to let my kids go and let them be free and let them yeah. do what they want to do. But, you know, I think you need to kind of put your hands you on them a little bit them. and kind of guide gotta, them. You got to guide but, them. Um, when, when, so when you look at different cultures, um, we're one of the few um, that don't really try to push in a certain direction. You have certain cultures that say, no, you're going to be a doctor or engineer or an attorney. Mm-hmm. You don't have any more options. That's it. If I'm paying for your school, this is what you're gonna do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and 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 it's not because you're trying to dictate or just push something on them, but mm-hmm. it's like I know what's gonna be best for you long term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And being able to guide them in the direction that they need to be guided, because to your point, growing up, I didn't know you know all the different careers and things that were out mm-hmm. there. Uh, the good thing is though for our kids is that we have so many people in our network that are mm-hmm. doing so many different things that they're going to have the ability to have, make better decisions than we yeah. were able to make because of just being able to see it. Like Kind of like Keith with Jack and Jill. I was fortunate enough to, to get in Jack and Jill as a child. Um, I got into it. I was actually going into high school uh, when my family got um, joined into it. And, you know, and me and my wife actually had this discussion about Jack and Jill uh, actually probably a couple of days ago. And just, you know, and nothing stays the same. Everything changes. Sure. And you want to look at ways to kind of put your kids in the best possible situation for success. And I was just telling her my personal experience because my wife didn't grow up in Jack and Jill in that environment. And, you know, I told her, like you said, the greatest thing that Jack and Jill provided me for me was exposure. I got a chance to meet, like I say, black doctors some black attorneys and, you know, and even better, I got a chance to see some other, you know, beautiful black women mm-hmm. that were out there that were, you know, successful. And I'm, I'm going to these conferences as a teenager and I'm seeing, you know, girls and boys that are, you know, well, he's going to Harvard. She's going to Yale. She's going on a soccer scholarship to North Carolina A&T. Well, he's going there. And I'm like, well, she's studying, you know, physics to be a physicist. And I'm just like, Wow. But I think if our kids and people see us working together more, then I think that accomplishes that. Another issue I feel like we have, um, and that's held us back from having that money conversation in a lot of ways, is all too often I feel like our churches, our black universities, um, 
in our community as a whole, we assign financial intelligence and financial literacy with educational degrees. So we see people that, you know, if you look at our boards and, you know, trustee boards and church boards, deacon boards, you know, it's always an educated individual. It's an attorney, it's a doctor, it's, a, you know, a professor of English, professor of, of science. And there's nothing wrong with those people. They can be, you know, intelligent when it comes to financial issues and, you know, financial literacy. But when it comes to the upliftment and the financial wellness of our churches, which used to be the backbone of our communities, you know, of our HBCUs, which was another backbone of our communities that pushed out. You know, so many great African-Americans that have been successful throughout the years where pretty sure all of our parents had to go to HBCUs back in the day because they weren't allowed to go to the PWIs at the time. I think what has happened is we've placed educational accomplishments and we automatically assign financial knowledge and financial insight and give that person credence when that doesn't necessarily correlate. Just because you make a lot of money doesn't mean that you're financially literate. Mm -hmm. You know, I've met people who are professors in finance, but they don't know how to invest their own 401k, mm -hmm. you know, because it's a different skill. So they know the formula to calculate the P.E. ratio, mm -hmm. but they don't actually know how to set up a asset allocation portfolio. They don't know what modern portfolio theory is. That's not what, it's not what they do on a daily basis. So At the same time, you have people that have, don't have any degrees whatsoever that have run and started and operated massive successful businesses. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, absolutely being able to disconnect and just understand and and what are we trying to get from this, putting this person there, what is the overall goal and seeing that goal through. Yeah. And I think like I say, understanding that every entity is essentially a business. Church is a business, whether you like it or not. It has to, we have to, it's a nonprofit, but it, ha it, has, it has a mortgage, it has a light bill, and it, it wants to stay open and in operation, so it has to function like a business. Our HBCUs, and that's where a lot of our, I think, the disconnect came is because we didn't have those professionals in-house, mm -hmm. so we had to go outside of the house to bring in help. Now, if I stepped outside of the, and I went to the same community that just robbed me of my freedom, and prevented me from having, you know, financial literacy, which, of course, if it was illegal to read, there's no way I can have financial literacy because all the information is in the books. So it was already systematically set up for our destruction. So as soon as we started to accumulate, we went right back to the same individuals who were essentially the cause of our demise in the, in the first place. So how can we ever get to where we're trying to go if we're directly working with people who have systematically set us up for failure. And I think that's where, you know, we have to start looking at it. And our HBCUs have to take accountability. You know, our churches have to take accountability. And it trickles down. I think if they start to do that, and everybody has to take a look in the mirror and say, okay, what can I do? Yeah. You know, I see a big thing, and it was crazy. I had a, you know, last month I got a lot of calls. And I was getting a lot of, you know, from, you know, different, you know, newspapers and, you know, uh, TV stations and whatnot to do interviews. Why? Black History Month. They wanted to find a black business to, you know, put out in front. They wanted to find a, you know, African-American that was doing good things in the community that they could kind of highlight. And I'm like, well, if you're not going to highlight me in January and March through the rest of the year, I honestly don't want to talk to you in February because I don't need your support. What we need is our community to become consumers right. of what we do. 
you know, it's support is us supporting each other in February and I support the black business or it's, you know, it's support of black business day. You know, it is like we're doing it for a day, but no, that's not going to move the needle. What we need is physical, consistent consumption. We need you to patronize black businesses. That means when I wake up, the first place I go to get whatever goods or services I need to make it through that day, I'm looking for a black business to go to. That means that, you know, when I wake up, I'm saying, okay, um, what's today? It's February the 23rd. Well, nah, it's not Black History Month, so I'm going to go on over here to Target. You know, that's support. Right, right, right. You know, that's, I'm going well, to support you today. Yeah. Well, I don't want you to support me today because really what you're doing is giving me a false sense of hope. You give me a little bit of support. Now I got to make it the rest of the year the way to get back to next February for you to support me again. I'm like, I can't run a sustainable business that way. And I think our community has, has a false sense of reality because we say, well, we support the black business. I'm like, well, you have to become a consumer of black business because we need all aspects of black business to thrive, not just financial services. You know, we can do our job better when the industries that we service are doing better. If they have more money, then in turn, we can help them with their money. So now in turn, we make more money. Right. So now everybody has more money. So that's the overall goal I think that you know, we have to have and the mindset that you know, we need to start to, to operate with. And I mean, it, it starts with me. I, I, I've tried to make a concerted effort to everyone that I work with, if I can find someone that looks like me to do the job, I want to work with someone that looks like me. You know, and of course, the first thing is, well, you know, well, you know, we don't know if they can do the job or, you know, or what if I can't find anyone? But did you look? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, sometimes it, it's going to take some effort on our part. It's going to take some sacrifice. Right. You know, I mean, it's, you know, we didn't meet each other, you know, 20 years ago. I, I met him at a certain point in time. I met you at a certain point in time. But, okay, we met. Okay, well, how can I support you? Mm-hmm. How can I support you? You know, you know, what if I'm doing can, you know, support your kids? And make that a trickle-down effect. And I think once we start doing that and have that mindset and, you know, that overall viewpoint of, because I think we all have the same goal. We want to get to the same place. It's just we need to start kind of working, you know, a lot more cohesively. And we need to get this information consistently to the general public because they have to understand. It's not about doing something one time. It's like my my son wants to get up and work out one day and think he's going to be great the next time he go play ball. I'm like, no, you're going to have to work out every day consistently and you're going to have to work harder because what you do in the dark is going to come to light. And I think you, you hit on trust earlier. I think that also boils down to trust. Yeah. If we don't trust, if, if our whole community, not just the black community, but the entire community doesn't trust black people to do a job as well as or better than anyone else. Absolutely. Then that person or that member of the community needs to look in the mirror. Because I think a lot of times it comes down to that. If, if if I'm looking for financial services and I, I feel more comfortable with someone that looks of a fair complexion, that is a problem. Absolutely. Whether I'm black, white, or otherwise. And I think that trust would feed back into, again, the velocity of money in our community. If I hire a plumber, I hire a black plumber, he buys tools from you know, someone that makes, that's black that makes money from that transaction, and that money cycles Absolutely. within the community. Um, but I think that's important. As it, but it all comes back to a foundation of trust. Yeah. Yeah. So people always ask me, you know, every time we talk about this, I'm like, man, what's closing the gap? You know, what's, you know, how do we close the wealth gap? And my answer is always trust. And they look at me like, 
like trust like it's, it's not you don't have some kind of financial strategy that we can utilize and you don't have this great investment to it i'm like no it's it comes down to trust because if i trust you and you trust me that means we can work together yeah. that means we can partner that means that whatever resources i have you're welcome to whatever resources you have i'm welcome to and now if we're sharing in resources now we can grow now we can thrive because if i can build your business and you build mine now we can go hire his kids and you can hire my kids sure. and I can hire your kids. Mm -hmm. And now the evolution can continue on and we can continue to grow and we can actually perpetuate what we really want to see down the road. And that's really, you know, financial freedom, financial wellness. Back at you.